Welcome to the Fifth Inning Podcast, where we talk about hot topics in youth baseball. I'm your host, Hunter Vansall, alongside my co-host, Chris Garcella. And today we're going to be talking about the pitching mentality um, with our guest speaker here, Jared Bayless. Jared, how's it going? It's going great, Hunter. Glad to be here. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, um, Jared was a teammate of mine over at Dallas Baptist University. Um, he was a 33rd round draft pick out of the 2019 um MLB draft with the Seattle Mariners. Um, Jared's actually uh, talking with us after an outing last night that he had with the Mariners. Um, Jared, tell us a little about yourself. What's up, guys? Um, <laughs> so I, I've i been wanting to play professional baseball since I was a little kid, and now that I'm actually able to, you know, get into pro ball and have a chance, um, you know, I want to make the most of it. So at a very early age, I... I realized that if I was going to make it to the pros, I was going to have to do a lot of things right, that it wasn't going to be, um, it wasn't just going to happen. So that kind of shapes, you know, like, you know, you said, who are you as a person? Like, tell us about yourself. Um, I think this ties in well, because I realized very early on what I needed to do is like, I was going to have to become uh, like a higher performer person. Like I was going to have to get better at all facets. Like, uh, so that started very early on. I was like, how can I learn anything I can about the body? Uh, that's going to help me throw better. And I kind of just went on this journey. Um, and then I got into college and studied exercise science. And it's a lot of the stuff I'm passionate about. Um, but outside of that, man, I, I just love exercising. I think it's important for everyone, you know, to exercise because there's benefits to the the whole person, not just Jared, that's the baseball player. You know, there's benefits to doing all this that is good for me as a person. So um, I'm really excited and, and thankful for the route that, you know, I've been on to get here. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's a little bit about me. I know you know me a lot better, Hunter, and you know, like, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm down for all the stuff. This is where I like to nerd out. So um, I'm glad to get on and talk about it with you guys absolutely man yeah just to live in that a little bit like the the whole working out um helps with your life like i don't know i, I mean i'm out of baseball pretty significantly now um i'm obviously coaching it and it helps me in that just to work out but like it's also like a, a like a stress release like i feel like in work like in you know my career and like my job it's just like got all this stuff that goes on but like go to the gym rep out some I don't know, some barbell bench, maybe do leg day if, if it's if if you're trying to get a little bit um, of, a, I don't know, get some more energy out. But I try to stay away from that as much as I can. Hey, but hashtag don't skip leg day. <laughs> you know? Dude, I've I've uh, I hit it Wednesday, but <laughs> I, you know, I will say I've skipped it quite a bit in the last year. Um, all right, Jared. Well, um, let's go ahead and move on to the first inning here um, with our first question being, what's your overall approach when you're on the mound? Now, we obviously coach a lot of youth kids um, in our everyday and we're, you know, we don't have those, you know, lots, thousands of fans like in the in the stands. But um, I guess that leads. I'm just going to open up to you. Cool. Uh, I think, you know, the best way to set this up is to first present um, a problem that has regularly occurred is that a pitcher gets into a game and, um, you know, things aren't going well. Like for me last night, I hit the first two guys and the next guy, I give up the home run, right? Yeah. In that moment, what does every pitcher do? I got to do something different. <laughs> um, and that's like not the answer. That's not the case because 
here's the solution is here's how I approach uh, pitching is it's the same every pitch. It's literally the exact same from a 2-0 count to a 0-2 count. You're just trying to throw a pitch to a location. And that's really it. And when you start to attach that connotation of, oh, this is a 2-0 slider for a strike, then you put a lot more pressure on yourself because you're giving yourself the context of the last two pitches. You're not in the present moment. And then so kind of from a mentality approach is, to make it really simple is you are sticking with the plan you started with. Mm-hmm. You're not creating a new one in the outing. Um, and just to give more context for like why that's a good idea to stick with your plan is because um, if you stick with it, like in catch play, I don't have sights. I just look at the target and I let my body figure it out on how it's going to get it there. Mm-hmm. And I do that over and over and over and over. So now I've, trained myself not to be cognitively involved in the throw i can just be an athlete uh so that's why i kind of have like a personal fight right now against the term like change your sights Uh, because literally what you're doing in that moment for me in my situation because i'm training myself to not have a sight to just throw to the target is uh that would be me abandoning a plan with thousands of hours of work to pick a plan (laughs) based on the past 15 minutes that has zero consecutive hours of work. Mm-hmm. You know, I would literally be trying to go to fight with a plan that I came up with in the war versus the one that, you know, I've been training uh, myself to be able to do for hours and hours and hours and hours yeah. and catch play. And I think that's so really important, especially when you get into like the, you know, the, the science and just the cognitive aspect of it is you can buy into it more. It's more freeing. Um, and you keep it out of the higher brain. You know, I think whenever you get too cognitively and you start to think about how you're going to do something, aim here, feel this, like you put yourself in a, in a very bad position to command the baseball. It's I kind, guess It's kind of like uh, the hardest throw in baseball is the ground ball from the pitcher back and throwing over to first base. Because <laughs> think about it so much, right? Like just hey, yeah. easy, easy, easy. Oh, crap. I just overthrew the first baseman. Yeah. You know? on an easy routine ground ball. It's, when, uh, when, you could almost just like yeah. underhand it, but it's just, no, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. only, but only yeah. athletes like Jared and I and, and we <laughs> understand that, you know, well, let's put athletes in, in quotations. There for, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Jared, uh, one thing that kind of resonated with me is, um, you know, I'm obviously coaching 11 year olds right now. And, um, you know, in practice, we work on having this plan, and then we get to the we get to the game, and there's something off about their mechanics. Whether it's like they're not loading into their back mm-hmm. hip enough, or their release points off, or they're not pulling through on glove side. Like, there's a lot of different mechanical things that kind of go into that. Now, obviously, you're a professional pitcher. You've been doing this, I don't know, for what like 20 years now, and you've done this every day for 20 years. It's like now you're you're at the point of your career where it's like, yeah, you, you obviously you know the muscle memory, you know what you're supposed to do. Right. Whereas like uh, an 11 year old, for example, they've been doing it maybe three years now where where they've done it, you know, hopefully consi- on a consistent basis, but probably not really. Um, so, like, I guess what would the difference be for you on, you know, how to maintain that same approach that you said, but maybe for an 11 year old? Yeah, I think, um, you know, to answer that question, you really need to pick out what is the goal and is the goal success in this game 
or is it success in the in the long term of the player's development? Yeah, mm. and it's going to be kind of a hotter take here um, because okay. hey, we love hot you know, takes. Um, we, we have good intentions and we want these kids to be good. Right. So like we would say like, Hey, get into your legs more. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, it's just a thing. And the way I would approach it is our brains are kind of like machine learning, right? The more data that is involved, the more confident it can guess on the outcome. So like in our mind, I say, I intend to throw this pitch low and away. And then our brain assimilates the movement so that we can execute that pitch it just organizes it the best it knows how and if it doesn't have a lot of reps to draw on then it's kind of a guess right you know like the three like the guys are only playing for you know a couple months a couple years versus me who i have 15 years you know of backlogging of reps um we just get better and better and it's you know some guys are able to to put it together earlier with less reps and some guys it takes more but um, I'll recall a story with, uh, Josh Reyes, Dallas Baptist strength coach. Okay. Um, and, um, a guy, they were measuring vertical jump, like on a jump mat, they were just doing vertical jumps and, uh, this kid like put it together one day, instantly started PR by like seven inches, just out of nowhere, like 20, 24 inch vertical to 32, like Jeez. just really started jumping something like <laughs> that it's just show. crazy yeah and he put it together on his own and then he jumped like 50 more times that day because it was like a new toy he was like oh my god i did it like i did it and he just kept <laughs> doing it um so think about that from like you know what's going on there like think about the 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 serotonin the dopamine the fulfillment that he filled because the self-efficacy of his work like he did the work necessary he came out better how does that make the athlete feel he feels like he is a new player he feels like he has an edge like a lot of confidence right and uh so this is my hot take is this as coaches giving specific cues can we rob athletes of the self-efficacy that they can be their own coach and that they can get better with their own intention um is you know sometimes a player needs to struggle and they need to struggle and i think that's what's really cool about pro ball is they bring a long game mindset like i gave up a home run in my first outing it would be idiotic of me to go throw a tantrum and wallowing my <laughs> tears um similarly um you're gonna have bad outings you're gonna have bad you're gonna have bad pitches um but those are still training inputs you know like if we look at this like a power lifter and they're training for a meet they may fail on their ramp up to the meet like they may fail on a bench press but they're gonna come back you know it's about it's about the context of the story and where you're shooting for and honestly how long you have to get there not everyone has that long if you're an 18 year old high schooler and you don't have any offers uh, you probably need to make some changes quick and you may need to roll the dice on a couple of things like that and you may need to entertain those thoughts in your head Uh, i think that's the other reality Mm -hmm. that people aren't willing to admit either is like it's not always clear cut yeah where you have years of your life to hope to put it together you know there's some pressure on a lot of these guys too and I think I think that's uh it's interesting we talk about the youth, right? Because a lot of parents are gonna be listening listening to this podcast and you know, the the typical, you know, uh pitcher, a nine, ten year old, eleven year old, twelve year old pitcher gets on the mound and all of a sudden their parents are pacing around and their <laughs> parents can't control themselves like and you know, they throw a couple of bad pitches or something, they're like, 
hey, little Johnny, get your elbow up. Hey, little Johnny, sit right yeah. here. And they're just cueing from the stands. And all that does is add more stress and more, you know, inputs into their into their 12 year old mind right on the on the mound when they're trying to figure it out themselves and or I'll, I'll hear that or then I'll hear from a parent hey you know love my coach but they don't they just sit there on the bucket or they don't really coach during the game it's like well you know just listen to Jared just talk right now yeah no crap you know because yeah. we're trying to let the kids figure it out themselves because we've all been there right yeah and we'll coach hard and practice or pull mm-hmm. them off to the side and give them a cue once they're done or something like that. But yeah, I don't, you know, not yelling cues in the middle of a an inning, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I, I guess the follow up question to that, Jared, is like, what do your coaches do on a day where maybe things aren't lining up for you? Do they just do they talk to you about it, like in like a pitching or a mound visit, mm-hmm. or like how does that happen? Um, actually, you know, for me, the answer with the Mariners is they are very, uh, I'm not going to say hands off, but they have a very curated approach to the way they, they go about this. Like, you know, say I'm not, my slider isn't sweeping as much as it should, um, or I'm not in the zone as much as it should be. Um, so those are the two things that I can really control is like how frequent I'm in the zone and you know what my shape is. Okay. Um, they would say just one pitch at a time. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to my original answer for what is my view of pitching is it's one pitch at a time. And it's as, it's as, uh, you know, subconscious as possible. I'm trying to push it out of the conscious brain and, uh, one pitch at a time. Like I'll give this brief story because I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty impactful. It changed the way I view pitching a lot. This spring training is, I realize that, you know, if I'm going to get exposed in spring training or this season, I'd rather be in spring training. So I have more time to, you know, figure out what I need to get better on. Right. So I threw my first bullpen and I wrote down a 25 pitch script, like 2-0 fastball, 1-2 slider, just completely random. So it wasn't like, oh, I threw a ball, Mm 1-0. Oh, I threw a strike, 1-1. I didn't do that. It was just random order, random pitches, random locations. So it flipped back and forth, righty to lefty or righty, righty, just random. And the point is, is that my pitching coach would call out one, two slider. I would execute it. Two, oh, change up lefty. I was able to just take each pitch for its own pitch and its own context because it weren't, they were never connected to the one prior. Uh, so you get into a game and you throw a ball and it's one, oh, the next one it's really hard to not think about it as a one Oh fastball, but like uh, just another fastball. But when I threw this bullpen, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. When I threw this bullpen and it was one, two slider. And then the next pitch was three Oh change up. It was really easy to let the last pitch live in the past because the new one was connected zero, like to the previous. That's so So mentally. That is is so cool. Yeah. It showed me what it looked like to be like, Oh, this is one pitch at a time. So my, my last outing in spring training, I, I got one, two on a guy get to like three, two. And I hear my pitching coach yell like, Hey, one pitch at a time. So this is what they say. One pitch at a time. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Like you are right. Like, what is this? I was like, full count. What am I doing here? All right. I'm hunting the zone with a slider. Let's get it. Slider strike. And that was, that was the only freaking see you, bud. Yeah, <laughs> funnel I had. Uh, yeah, and I threw a slider, and he flew out to left field. That's awesome. Uh, so, 
I do have one more thing I want to say about uh, this Q salad. Yeah. Is I think it'll be a, a good illustration uh, for our listeners. Is has everyone played like Tony Hawk Pro Skater or any kind of video game where to do a <laughs> trick you have to hit a combination of buttons? Yeah. Or Fortnite so you, to build. Yeah. Yeah. So like to, so to elicit <laughs> to elicit an action, you have to hit a string of characters like yeah. circle, triangle, up, R one. Yeah. So the throwing is when you when you look at it like neurally it's kind of the same thing like it's a coding of sort like our body is sending electrical impulses to organize our whole system to get the throw off and so the region of the brain that's responsible for complex motor patterns is below it's in the lower brain it's not in the higher brain uh so the the impulses that are sent don't actually go to the conscious brain. Uh, so you see a lot of times with guys with yips is they're, they're aware of the throat. Their awareness is in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way I think about that is our higher brain, our conscious brain, doesn't have the RAM to keep up with these complex strings of codes because the throw isn't like circle, triangle, up, R1. It's like a 150-character code that you have to memorize. Um, and if you're trying to memorize 150 digit long code in your higher brain, you're going to mess up. You might memorize chunks Mm -hmm. of it. Like, oh, this is what breaking my hands feels like. But then once you get into the complexities of the throw and the pelvis needs to dissociate from the torso, and you're trying to conceptualize that in your conscious brain, you, you can't break it down quick enough because the movement's too quick. Uh, so you got to keep that movement in the lower brain when you start thinking about how you're going to do it you degrade your movement quality in my opinion and you set yourself up for the yips and you just take out the athletic side of it because like i said earlier like your brain is just guessing like i want to throw it here and based on everything i know in the past i'm going to try to do what i know to get it there and it's just getting better with more reps so that's why i think that subconscious like just see the target throw the ball to the target is the best way to do it because you're keeping that in the lower brain and you're not letting that get into the conscious brain because our conscious brain just can't control all those variables. There's too much going on in a throw. It's way too dynamic. So Jared, what do you, what's your, what's your take or what's your thoughts on? So I'm a big, I talked, I talked to our, my 10 year olds and 13 year olds um, a lot. I'm a big like Ken Revisa brian kane middle game mm-hmm. of baseball stuff so you know i tell them like especially the pitchers when they're on the mound you you just threw a couple of balls like you're getting you're starting to get into that yellow right your mental state step off the mound don't just get back on there step off the mound take your hat off take a breath visualize your success visualize yourself yourself executing a pitch and then believe in that and get back on get back on on there. I don't try to do technical cues in the middle of a game or or whatnot. Or mm-hmm. I'll go out there to visit them and same thing. I'm saying, hey, take a breath, breathe, visualize success here, and let's go get them mm-hmm. right. So I try to keep it simple like that. What's your what's your what's your take after you hit the first two guys, give up a bomb last night? Like, what's your do you do you do you go through a routine like that when you're struggling? Yeah. Yeah, our our we have a mental performance team with the Mariners, and they try to give us, uh, you know, tools to to like let's game let's game this. Let's not let it be a random funnel. Or mm-hmm. that's what we call it. Is you have your thoughts, 
broad up here and we want to funnel those down pre-pitch uh, to where it's like, what is the most essential thing to be thinking about now or when is what we call it? What's important now? Um, and it starts out with what just happened, you know, okay, slider, he fouled it off. What was the swing like? You know, like, oh, it looked like he was on it. You know, that's when you would kind of decide like pitch selection, you know, kind of where you're thinking strategy. Then it comes down to the next thing is for me is taking my awareness from somewhere else, like an idea to reality, just me and the catcher. Um, so I looked at the baseball and I look where it says Rawlings mm -hmm. and I tap it to my chest and I say, my pitch, my spot. And so if, if, if you go look at the videos last night, like, I don't know if I wasn't doing that, the first three batters when it was, uh, like it was going bad. Right. Um, but I definitely was doing it towards the end. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the way I recenter myself is I think it, you know, other guys do different things. I know some hitters look at the top of the foul pole. Yeah. You know, it's always there. Um, yep. Something like As that. I think those, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those visual cues um, to help keep you in the moment are huge. And that's something that like, if you want to get better today, like decide what you're going to do now. Yeah. Like just make a decision because it, it, like you just, that's the easiest way to get better. Because <laughs> if you wait till you're in the moment and you know, you're stunned, the stun grenade just went off and you got hit in the face. <laughs> Um, you're probably not going to make the best decision. So, yeah, yeah so I agree. Like that's, that's probably the best way to do it. You know, is just give these guys a breath and, you know, our, our mental health team, they, you know, they tell us how important breathing is. Yeah. Um, you know, like taking that deep breath and, and learning how to do that and calm yourself down, just, uh, put you in a better climate to make a rational decision, especially mm -hmm. if you don't have a lot of experience being, you know, high anxiety, high energy in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, Jerry. Well, we talked about what it's like when you're on the mound, right? Um, but what does that look like? And this is our second inning question. What does that look like or the preparation look like before you're going to pitch in a game or maybe on an off day? What is, what does your preparation look like? Uh, yeah, so my preparation before I go into a game um, is it's been through the whole ringer. Like I said, as I went on the course of realizing I'm going to have to get better. So I went and tried to find every single way I could get better. Then I believed I needed to be doing all those things. Uh, but it's not really that the specific exercises are beneficial. Um, so I kind of went from this this arc of like, there's a certain way to do it. Everyone should do it this way to, oh, this doesn't really matter to... Oh, some of that's actually important, you know? Uh -huh. uh, so I feel like I kind of have, you know, just more of like a, a wise take on it compared to the past where I may have been, just, you know, ignorant um, and, and my youth and when I thought about it. But really the biggest thing is, is um, get your heart rate up, hold your heart rate up for a few minutes. You get your heart rate up for a few minutes, your body's going to be warm, um, you know, specific stretching, like cross body, uh, like extenuous tissue prep i'm kind of out on i think it's kind of eyewash um if you because here's my eyewash for those of you that, that don't know just uh, it means that it's not relevant <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it it's a it's a not relevant waste of time and the reason i say that is because um you know if you only have access to range of motion when you have 15 minutes to uh, like prep that range of motion then you don't really have that range of motion um because in the eighth inning whenever 
you know, God forbid someone gets hurt and you have to get hot like this or, you know, a situation calls for it and you have to get hot like this. What if you don't have that stretch? You know, yeah. are you going to think, oh, I don't have as much T-spine rotation as I would have if I would have done these stretches? Hmm. And just like um, from what I'm learning about, you know, training is that we largely do have that range of motion whenever we want to access it. It's just our nervous system is kind of locking it down for the time being. Um, so if you can get the nervous system to relax, um, then that range of motion isn't going to feel like it's hard to get to. Like, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've gotten in off the bench and gone and swung. And <laughs> it's like you didn't have any problem swinging like because oh, yeah. your adrenaline got you there and your body decided it was okay yeah um so obviously warming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so warming up is just really convincing your body that hey i'm gonna get into some crazy range of motion and you're not gonna panic uh so <laughs> if you get the blood flow up it feels better about accessing that range of motion so i just hit like calf jumps i'll literally just stand there and I kind of like to let my upper body just relax, kind of like yeah. massages my shoulders, my pecs. Um, and your calf, your gastro, your gastrocnemius is your calf muscle. It's a, it's a venous pump back to the heart. So it moves a lot of blood mm. um, because, you know, those deeper muscles, they contract to push blood uh, through your body. Um, so not only are you getting a whole total body collision with the ground we're having to manage 220 pounds plus gravity every time i hit the ground so that's a lot of force um i'm moving a lot of blood and i'm getting like kind of some like massaging sensation in my upper body it's like my go-to i'll hit like 300 jumps it takes wow. me a, a few minutes um but i promise you get your heart rate up and you so what, start to feel good. So what about like uh like driveline balls, like meta the heavy balls, light balls? Yeah. Is that is that something that you do in your, your preparation or is that more of a during like game day versus non game day? Yeah, pro ball's weird. I so I throw twice a day for the most part if I'm throwing in a game. Okay. Uh we we stretch at three o'clock and I'll probably do an abbreviated plow care session, like just a few drills, just a few throws and throw um just to practice throwing two spots throwing shapes to a yeah. spot um but it's not like pitching work i'm not out there throwing a 30 pitch flat ground or a bullpen because i might be hot that night you know i don't want to double <laughs> yeah like throw <laughs> twice <laughs> right um and then in the game i will throw the plyos um and that's really just the easiest way to get hot because if i'm watching the game and i can see that this is a situation i may go in I can rip those plyos, and if they call down to get hot, my third throw with the baseball can be like pretty much game velocity. Um, And you know that also part of that is being 26 and having done this for years. Like my body is used to that. To younger guys, I wouldn't advise making a habit of that. But right, um, you know, if you're in college and that's the role you're in, like that's part of the job description. Just as much as getting outs is getting hot quick. Um, So. A lot of guys will try to like complain about it and be like, oh, the coach didn't give me enough time. Like, sorry, bud. Like, if you want to play in the big leagues, like, you're going to have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, might as well accept that now. But I think that also goes to, you know, I listen to Tom House um, quite a bit. And he, you know, obviously he's, he's one person that says this, a lot of people do, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't warm up, uh, you shouldn't throw to warm up. You should warm up mm-hmm. to throw. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, 
especially at the youth level, you see it a lot. It's like first thing that kids want to go out there and do is what? Pick up baseball and start throwing, getting loose yeah, and yeah. warming up. It's like, you know, there's yeah. other steps that we need yeah. to do to, to get mm-hmm. warmed up. So we, when we actually are throwing, we're kind of ready to go, right? So Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right. Well, um, I, I guess going into your preparation and practice, um, you know, the third inning here, the third inning question is how do you intensify practice as a pitcher? Cause I know that we've got a lot of, you know, bullpens where, especially with kids that I'm coaching, like they've got lessons where they're going into a lesson. It's just like working on mechanics and things like that. But like as a pitcher, how do you make a game like? Yeah. Um, I would advise everyone to go back and listen to inning one with the bullpen scripts. I think that's a great lesson. I think that's a great way to gamify it because you're giving yourself a clear objective. And I guess if I were to give one piece of advice, that would be it. Give yourself a clear objective because if the, if you're trying to get better, you need to know when you got better and when you did not and when you succeeded and when you didn't, because you can't get better if you don't know. It's kind of like taking dry hacks. You're like, was that a good swing? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you didn't hit anything. Um, uh, so I would say have a clear objective. Yeah. So for me, like a lot of the off season, I'm playing catch with a wall. Mm-hmm. And so that's a disadvantage to a lot of people. They're like, you know, I don't have a catch play partner. I don't have feedback. But you do have feedback. I'm playing catch with a center block wall. I have a strike zone perfectly mapped out on the wall uh, between the center blocks. I know exactly where I'm aiming every pitch. And I can see clearly, did I hit that cinder block or did I not? And that's something you actually don't get a lot with a catch play partner, especially um, younger guys. You know, they're not framing it. They're not sticking it really well. Right. So you don't know. Did I hit that spot? I don't know. And if your brain is a machine learning system where it aggregates data to make better decisions, if it doesn't know what is a good and bad rep, it doesn't get the opportunity to learn from it as much. So clear, definable objectives are essential um, to get better. And, you know, my my catch play is very intense. Um, like, I'll, I'll scream. Like, if I, like, am getting that slider that I like, I'll, you'll know, like, you'll hear me, like, enjoy that. Because um, I know I mentioned it to you, your guys at the camp a little bit, but there's this term called celebrate to myelinate. Um, and just very shortly, like, Myelin is the tissue that surrounds the nerve cells and nerve cells are responsible for the transmission of the electrical signal to the muscles to coordinate this global movement of pitching. And so the more insulated that nerve cell is, um, the more accurately the brain is going to be able to send the intention and to elicit the outcome. Um, You know, like if the, the insulation isn't very good, that connection isn't as strong um, the signals may break down. You may see more breakdowns in the movement. Um, you know, we need to do actual cadaver studies on professional pitchers, but you know, there are adaptations happening at the neural level based on your decision to respond to a given rep. Um, so if you celebrate, you excel if you celebrate, you accelerate the tissue adaptation of the myelin. And so that's essential. That is, that is huge. The number one way, honestly, that I've gotten better in my career with the least effort is that is when you do exactly what you're trying to do, you have to affirm it. You have to let your body know that that is what you want to keep doing. So I'll run in a circle 
I swear to God, like when I'm on the flag or on the line and I'm throwing a slider and I tell him like, Hey, I want this on your left eye. I throw it and I sweep it directly into his left eye. I'll just run in a circle right there just to have fun with it. <laughs> do you yeah. do that Keeps in a game? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Why not? Because <laughs> you're going to get your teammate pegged. <laughs> yeah. Your teammates are going to be like, who is this guy? <laughs> no, but no, I, I, just, I, I it think, makes sense. I think that's such a big deal too. And I mean, even linking it back to like the team, the team aspect of it, like, um, you know, I'm having my team celebrate everything from like the other pitcher throws a ball. We're celebrating that we've, we fell off a, a pitch with two strikes. We celebrate that we, yeah. you know, we make routine plays. We celebrate that we have PFP where the pitcher comes over and covers first base to get that out at first. We sell, we celebrate everything. And, um, I, that dude, that's such a, yeah. such a cool, like to hear the science piece behind why that makes your team successful that's so big like yeah. you have to celebrate every small thing because if you don't the game becomes it's a grind yeah the game becomes a grind yeah what in, in terms of from a from a science standpoint or a mental standpoint you know i tell i i mean even even the my 10 year olds right that that we coach uh certainly the 13s and that may be even it may be even more um than their minds can handle, but I, I still push it, right? Like I'd say, if you're going to pitch for me, you got to be able to throw hard, number one, and throw strikes, right? It's not an either <laughs> or. And you have to be able to control runners. Yeah. Because we got catchers that can throw guys out. So you got to be able to control your runners. You got to be aware on the mound, know where your runners are. You got to be able to field your position. And by God, you better cover first base on the ball to the right side, right? Like, <laughs> so I, I put all that on even 10 year olds and, um, mm -hmm. You know, I hold them accountable to holding runners, and um, you know they're they're getting better at it. But I mean, what's your what's your take on that? From a is that too early for them to be able to handle all of that, or what's your what's your take there? No, I think that's right on par, and I think it's a segue to inning four too. Um, on our questions, uh, command like I'll key in on the command and velocity because I think it kind of highlights the whole issue as well. Is um, I can't remember who. I can, who said this first, so I can't give him credit. Um, but it was on Twitter and I think it was like a cricket coach said, if you're expecting to have a decrement and command when a, you have a velocity jump or when you're working on a pitch, you've already lost. If you're expecting to get worse at your location because you're working on a new slider or you're throwing harder then you've already gotten worse. Mm -hmm. That is never the goal. The goal is never velocity without command. It is never velocity and command without fielding your position. It's never velocity and command without holding the runner. Mm -hmm. Your job is to pitch, not to throw in a bullpen. Your job is to pitch in a game. And part of that job description are all the other things. And as soon as you forsake one, you limit your ceiling. Yeah. You limit how useful you are to the team, to the org, how much value you can provide to winning um, is taking it a step further. Like guys will, you know, throw, it's like a big thing. And, and baseball development has take, it's gotten light years ahead of where it was in the past. Yeah. Uh, and guys are throwing harder now, but do not mistake throwing hard for being a good pitcher. There are plenty of guys who have thrown way harder than me in my career, and I've seen them, their careers end. Um, 
and I'm still like, I, I'm like low nineties, you know, uh, when I'm 92, 93, like it's a great day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I throw fastballs at 89. I've thrown fastballs at 88. Um, and truthfully, like I can say this with a hundred percent confidence based on uh, the data we have internally with the Mariners. Um, the, the, the best pitches in baseball outside of your outliers, like Otani and Brash are in the minor leagues. There are, so many big leaguers with worse stuff than minor leaguers, mm-hmm. but they locate it exceptionally yeah. well, exceptionally well. They do not make mistakes. <laughs> and so you've quickly learned that the distinguishing factor between big leaguers and minor leaguers really isn't stuff and it's not velocity. It's both. It's yeah. we. So we have um, a score called quality score. So essentially we have your action score, which is your velocity and your movement. And that tells you, quantifiably how nasty your pitch is and then we have location which is just like this is where we want you to target the uh, zone because it's where you have the most success yeah um and when you it's not about one or the other you need both you have to have both so we use quality as a man uh as a score for that and it kind of takes into account both action and location and that is what we're chasing that is what is going to make jared bayless a big leaguer is how quality my pitches are both action and location. So when you <clears throat> bring it back in Hunter, you know, he's coached nine year olds, you know, when you first when we first started here and now mm-hmm. I just finished the nines and now with tens and you know, that's the first year of kid bitch. So mm-hmm. uh I heard it quite a bit, you know, last year. I kinda kinda, you know, set the tone like, hey, we're gonna go and we want to we want to learn how to move downhill and move downhill fast and throw mm-hmm. hard and not sacrifice velocity so we can just throw strikes and learn how to do that. And we'll, as we get older, nine, 10, 11, we're going to learn how to control our bodies down a slope. Right. But mm-hmm. I think it's hard to throw strikes just to, or throw slower to throw strikes and then try to ramp that up as they get older. Cause again, we're not trying to make big league nine year olds and, you know, yeah. win every single 10 year old game, we're trying to develop kids over the long term, Right. So, mm-hmm. um, is there a, do you, do you agree with that philosophy? Like you got to teach them, teach them how to throw hard and throw strikes early on and not sacrifice mm-hmm. one for the other then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it relates back to, to two of the things we talked about previously is coming up with a new plan in the game. So if you train your body to throw, you know, as hard as you can to a spot and then you get into a game and you decide, Oh, I'm not going to throw hard to throw strikes, then you're creating a new plan. You're creating a plan with mm. this much backlog of success and you're abandoning a plan that you've, you stuck to and you've trained with. So you're already, you're already putting yourself in a hole. And, um, what was the other thing? I'm blanking on it now. Um, the uh, definable objective goal yeah. is whenever you say, Oh, it's, it's my first year at kid. It's his first year at kid pitch, you know, um, what you're saying is the, There's when you no say goal. definable goal, yes or no, you're putting a maybe in there mm. and a maybe to the brain is a no. Um, so it's not a yes. Yeah. Uh, so you're taking, say you got a hundred reps and 50 of them are yes and 50 are no. If you put a maybe in there now only 30% of your reps are yes and 67 percent or no you know yeah so having a that's why you have to have a definable objective so you can get better 
Man, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's a great way to look at it. I never thought. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I've I've definitely <laughs> coached outside. Like, I've made that excuse for, for yeah. my kids before. And, yeah. um, you know, that's huge to just, like, not make that excuse and make it. Because, again, like, I mean, even from a bigger picture, like, I have, like, concept of pitching and a scale of things for me is probably, like, way down here. Yeah. But at the same time, like, relating it back to, you know, hitting or, or team, right? Like, I'm going to learn from when I strike out, right? Like, um, did I, you know, was I overly aggressive on the changeup in the dirt? Was I not aggressive enough or was I not ready to hit? Like, what was my timing like from pitch to pitch? Like, there's a lot of different things from, like, for me that I'm, like, looking at this conversation. I'm like, you know, like, there's a lot of things within the game that kind of fall under the same sort of thinking of, like, you know, if if we go, like, if we take every single loss, and we're just like, oh, man, like, you know, that one just got away from us. Like, you know, that was a good team, whatever. Like, and we're not truly learning from that loss. Yeah. Then you're wasting your time. You have to learn from every mistake. You have to learn from your failure. You have to learn from everything that happens so that you can make an adjustment in the next game. You can come and fill the void of whatever was lacking in that that loss. Yeah. I think it's... um. You know, I think I think back to Devin Morgan with Driveline, you know, who runs their youth their youth program there, and he has a saying or he talks about this theory. It's like baseball is one of the only sports where you learn how to play on a sixty foot, you know, base path thing. Then it goes up to sixty five, and then it goes up to seventy, and then it goes up to eighty, and finally ninety ninety when you're fourteen. But yeah. we glorify you know, as parents and as, as some select organizations out there, or baseball organizations out there, it's like they glorify winning a nine-year-old or 10-year-old game. Well, <laughs> you're teaching kids how to win. I mean, if you're doing it at the, uh, um, if you're doing it at the, the, what's the, the word, if you're, if you're doing it in, in lieu of teaching the proper way to do it, right? you're doing it at the expense, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, of teaching them how to how to win on a sixty five foot base with a forty six foot pitching mound, right? Yeah, and then they get to thirteen, and all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, we've been successful, and because we can, you know, outplay a ten year old, and now we're on a big field, and we got to actually have fundamentals and sound mental games and all kinds of things that come into play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of everyone's kind of shocked, and you see that yeah. big gap. It's like that team that's always like you know, running like idiots on the bases yeah. just to take advantage of nine-year-olds. Like, okay, well, guess what? When you're 11, you can't do that anymore because yeah. the bases are five foot further. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the kids can actually play catch now, so it's, like, irrelevant. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So I, we kind of already covered the the fifth inning question that we have of whether, you know, velo is better or no control is better. Uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, having more velo over no control or control with no velo, which one's better? Obviously, I think with an overwhelming um, opinion, like all three of us would say the no control, right? Or I'm sorry, having control with no velo, because you think of guys like Greg Maddox or John Schmoltz that absolutely dominated the game or in the Hall of Fame that weren't top in 99. Um, but Jared, I guess, do you have, what are your closing remarks for, for the rest of our crowd? <laughs> set the bar high, you know, for you guys that want to play, you know, give yourself a really good goal. And that way, when you achieve it and you, you work hard to get there, um, you'll respect yourself a lot for it. Um, you set the bar low, 
um, you're setting yourself up to just not go as far as you could. Um, and you know, that's scary. Like really it's scary. Like it is baseball can be scary like that. You know, you, I, there's many times when I decided early on, like I said, that I wanted to play professional baseball and my first year of college, I got cut, you know, Same. <laughs> that's scary, you know, to turn around and, and keep going. Um, DBU, I didn't get drafted my junior year, had a worse year my senior year. I thought I was going to, thought I was done. Um, and so what you learn is the, the most influential moments in your career are rarely the most successful. You know, they're when you need to turn it around and when you need to bounce back. So we're, you know, we've talked, you know, about my outing last night where I gave up those home runs. Um, and when you're out on the mound by yourself um, and you have to make that decision, you know, that can be scary. And it can take a lot of courage in that moment, you know, to, to, to decide what you want to do. And, you know, like you guys are talking about with uh, youth athletes, like if they decide not to worry about, um, locating it and throwing slower, uh, but decide to to do both of those things. You know, they may run into some failure. They may walk a bunch of guys. Um, but in that moment, you're teaching them that it's okay to fail, that it's okay to have a good goal, and it's okay to strive for it. And just kind of as people, you know, not as baseball players, but as people, like how important is it to know that you can go through hard things and be okay? If you're constantly running from the hard things and the losses, um, you know, you're always looking for a way out. Um, But if you can uh, view those as opportunities or a challenge and not a threat, you know, at a youth level, man, like that would have been a great lesson to learn younger um, that, you know, by you guys having that loss and learning from it, you're confronting it, right? You know, people like want to just be like, oh, it's your first year kid pitch, like no big deal. Or it's your first year throwing the slider, no big deal. But, you know, like we said earlier, you're, you're, you're turning that to a maybe, uh, your yeses are getting fewer. Um, and you're putting yourself in a position where you're constantly running from failure, but you find yourself there more often than not, because you're not striving for something greater. You're just trying to avoid something worse. Um, so it's, Man, baseball is a game that is beautiful, and you know I think it it molds characters in a way that not many other sports can. Um, for that, so it's yeah, absolutely. If you if you're wanting to be a big leaguer, set your sights high and get to work, and and you'll thank yourself for it. I just last thing is this off season. I was in the grind of the off season, you know, training by myself and. Um, it's not easy to show up every day and get the work in you need to get. Uh, and I kind of asked myself, like, if I never threw another inning in professional baseball, would all this be worth it? Because yeah, I only play six months of the year, but I train like three hours every day year round. So my training hours surpass my game hours by a lot, especially mm-hmm. if you only count the hours I pitch in a game, 15 minutes, twice a week, once a week. <laughs> um, doesn't make sense, right? For me to sacrifice so much of my life to training. Like it just completely dwarfs the amount of time I spent in a game. And I immediately responded to myself and said, yes, a hundred percent it would because the things I've learned from training and from playing have made me who I am. They've, they've taught me lessons that are very important to Jared as a person. 
So yeah. I guess it's fitting that we end this conversation the same way it started. Uh, that baseball, that exercising is good for you, uh, regardless of if you're making it to the big leagues or not, regardless of you're playing in college or not. Uh, for all the youth athletes, it's, you know, have fun, enjoy it. And, you know, kudos to you guys for, you know, showing these kids that it's it's okay to go through hard things and it's okay to have, you know, negative uh, emotions. Uh, it's, but it's how we respond to them. That's that's impactful. I love that, Jared. Love I mean, we say it all the time. Baseball is equivocal to the to to the game of life, right? Yeah. And you know, moving on from baseball into the workforce is just like, dude. There's so many parallels of things that I am able to deal with at work that I know for a fact I, I wouldn't be equipped for if it weren't weren't for you know the grind and and the different struggles that I went through in in baseball. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Jared, thank you so much for for joining us, um, man. I this conversation was so much fun, dude. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to to come out and uh, chat with us today. Um, wish you the best of luck on your next outing, man. Um, Brooke and I will have to get out, um, get out and see you hopefully sometime on the West Coast. But uh, again, thank you all for watching um, and listening um, to the, this is the fifth inning podcast. I'm your host Hunter Vansaw, with alongside my co-host Chris Garcella, um, Jared. Thank you so much, man. Um, for those listening, please like, subscribe, leave a rating if, if you like the content that you saw today. Right. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate it.